I, I want to continue where we we left off last week. And so, in one sense, I guess we could say that we're going to continue doing Follow Me. And I, yes, that's true. But um, th this stands on its own two feet if you weren't here last week. And so, let, let's read from Galatians. Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 20. And, and you know this text very well. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, and in most of your Bibles it will say, in the Son of God, but for reasons beyond me, that's the wrong translation, it should be of there's a big difference between me having faith in Christ and me living by his faith. It says, by the faith of the Son of God. We'll talk about that later. Who loved me and delivered himself up for me. And this picks up exactly where we left off last week. And let, let me say this. I, I was talking to some um, in a Zoom. I was Zooming into their home and we were having a time together and, and they they said that things were going very slowly in coming to what we're talking about. They, they said it's exciting and, and they see it, but at the same time it is turning totally upside down everything they've ever been taught and therefore they were going slowly. And, and I realize that probably for the most of you that are Zooming with us, and as well as us here, um, we are reimagining the gospel, if that makes sense. We are looking at the gospel, and it's the same gospel that you believed since when, but we're looking at it maybe as you've never looked at it before. And that takes time because the the brain is set and it's and this is the way and I'm coming at it and saying, no, there's another way of looking at that same gospel. And my, I, I, want, I want to assure you that what I am teaching you is not new. It is the oldest it comes from the first four centuries of the church. And just yesterday I was reading from um, a great man of God in the second century, Irenaeus. And just, and it was, um, you know, he and I are on the same page here. It's, uh, and I just want to assure you of that. We are coming <clears throat> to a life. I'm seeking through the Holy Spirit to lead you to a life where there is no vestige of the law, where that's gone. You are no longer under the tyranny of do this, don't do that, go here, can't go there. We are in <clears throat> the freedom of the grace of God, the vastness of the grace of God. And the word grace essentially means God's own gift of himself to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come to the 
reality that we began talking about last week, which is that, um, yeah, and you were here last week. Yeah, that's Siri trying to interrupt me. Um, the the yeah, we we saw that in the Gospels you have Jesus saying, "Follow me." And there is the separation between those who followed him. I mean, quite literally, if I walked out this door and, and, and I said to Adrian, follow me, he would get up and be a pace or two behind me. There'd be separation. And certainly my mind and his mind, and he would have to try and attempt to understand my mind, that's separation. That was what it was in the gospel. Jesus said, follow me. They got up, they followed him, and for three years, they were trying to interact with the mind of Jesus. Um, And tragically, that is what much of the church believes today, and and, um, the separation. And and, uh, in fact, just yesterday, I got in my email from one of the leading Bible study groups of the evangelical world. And they were saying, what about discipleship? I've got to read this. And so how does it work? They said, how does this discipleship thing work? And it was, well, first of all, you have to study your Bible. And then you have to have a prayer list. And then you have to go to places where people can discuss the text that you... Oh, forget it. Uh, Is that what you got? A textbook? It was was it once upon a time Jesus himself you followed him and, and then it all went flop and now you've got a textbook that's it a textbook about an historical Jesus that's where many many people live and we are discovering what happened it's not that Jesus just went away he they followed him and followed him and then he says I'm leaving But in leaving, he said, I'm coming inside of you through the Holy Spirit. And this new discipleship from the inside where the person of the Spirit is going to lead you, he said it will be much better. In fact, the word he used, it's a strong word. It will be the best thing that ever happened to you. That this is where we've been going to. This is not a step backward. This is the best that I'm going to live inside of you. And so from that moment on, from the resurrection, the exaltation of Jesus, and then the giving of the Spirit, have you noticed, as you read through the New Testament, there is one phrase that continually, it's it's like the tolling of a bell, and it's almost as if you can't get away from it, because there are times when I think it's almost too much. I mean, you said that a minute ago. And the phrase is, in Christ, in Christ. And you will note what I said, that you're reading, and it says you get this, in Christ. And then two more said, in Christ, in Christ. And I, I I believe it's because until you get this, you're, you're at sea. Everything you have is not in a textbook. It is in Christ Jesus. Now, from inside him, I can come to the scripture and look at it. But it's not a dead textbook then. I'm looking at it from the person the book is talking about. Do you understand that? You study the Bible by seeing the person it's talking about, and he's alive, and he's speaking into you. Now I can get what the Bible's talking about. 
not a textbook, but the, uh, a book now that's come alive inside the person who's, who's the subject, in Christ. You see, in Christ, in Christ, in. I mean, we illustrated it, you know, like, like my fingers are interlocked in Christ, in Christ. And in Christ, have we got it yet? Um, the incarnation, that which many Christians have forgotten. The incarnation. What? What is the incarnation? Yeah, right, you could say it, I hope. It, it is that God, God the Son, became human. Well, let, let's go. He became a human being which means he had flesh, just like you. He had a brain, just like you. He became a human being. Dare to say it. God became a human being, which means then we now have an organic relationship to God. God became one of us for real. That is, it wasn't a charade. It wasn't some mystical seeing of him as he really wasn't. No, he became a human being. That means that when we say in Christ, we can genuinely be joined to him as humans because God became one of us. And therefore, um, our entire life, he's joined to my thoughts. See, it's not just a just body, joined to my thoughts, which means he's joined to my imagination. Not when I say joined, I mean for real. He became us. And, and therefore he he's joined to my attitude, out of which all of that spring my behavior, my actions. They're all played out now in a relationship to Christ that just we could keep talking. I've been talking about this for about six weeks now, and I, I, I trust it's beginning to really sink in that the, the entire sphere of his life is now joined to me, and the entire sphere of my life is joined to him in Christ. And, and even as he received of the Holy Spirit at the River Jordan, that that oncoming of the Spirit as the Spirit had never come upon a human being before. The rest of the New Testament says that same Holy Spirit is now shared with us. So if you can take that, the God who became human and the Holy Spirit upon him, and in that space of the Spirit, he knows the Father, but now he shares that spirit with us and sitting in this room and sitting where you're sitting, you are in the same Holy Spirit as Jesus is. And that means we can, this is a real union. We interact within that. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes this so real. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And please uh, don't don't misunderstand me. The scripture makes it very plain. This Holy Spirit is what makes us believers. The Holy Spirit. It, what what I mean is what I mean. 
there, there are some denominations of which I was once a part that make the Holy Spirit the icing on the cake as if where well, you're living this normal Christian life, but if you really want to get among the elite, then you get the Holy Spirit. He, he, no, 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 no. There is no Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one, he is God. God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of us. God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of us. And in him, we know Jesus alive. That means God lives in me. And by that, I don't mean he's got a private room just next door to my heart. I mean, he seamlessly joins himself to me. I'm looking at you, and you're looking at me. Do you realize you're looking at in-godded persons? In-godded. So he comes seamlessly. That, that is, I can't tell you where I begin and he ends. Ever thought about that? The Holy Spirit is so one with you that I can't tell where one begins and the other ends. And it's simultaneous for the Spirit to think is for me to be aware of his thinking. And his thinking sounds very much like my thoughts because that's what I said. It's he's, he's simultaneous, seamless. There's no separation. In fact, it says more than once in the New Testament that you, your body, I mean, that brings it right down to where you're sitting body, feet on the earth, body. It says your body is the temple, and the word it uses there, neos in Greek, which means the place in the middle of the temple which was set apart for the presence of God, the holy of holies, neos. He says your body, you are a temple, and God himself has entwined himself with you, within you both as the gift of Jesus to you, but also the person in whom we know now, the living Jesus. And so, in fact, Holy Spirit in me means that from within me, I know the living Jesus. I know God the Father. I'm, I'm involved. They're the same Holy Spirit. So we, we live in this, I've said it before, the energy field uh, of, of this love, the triune love, the love of the Father and Son is now inside of me through the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we are like fish in an ocean of divine love. We're standing in the sunlight of the divine love and it bathes us. That's who you are. So I don't feel like it. Well, that's what you've been taught, isn't it? That's the trouble. You've been taught, if you're a very good boy, you'll get this one day. You've been taught, if you pray enough and repent enough and believe enough and do something else enough, then you'll get it. This is reserved for the very holy. Whereas the scripture says, you have little to do with this. This is God's desire for you. This is what love wants. And without your permission, he placed you in Christ. And Christ himself carried you through death to resurrection and ascension. And this is God's gift to you. 
And so from moving away from I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, I haven't done enough, flush that down the religious toilet and and now realize in Christ Jesus I am enough. In Christ Jesus this is so. This is who I am. Move over to speak in God's language instead of the language of law and religion and you will see, you'll begin to realize this is true. So the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in a new way. And I could say, connecting with last week, then this is the new discipleship. That It's no longer follow me because there's no separation. There's no longer I'm trying to understand what you're saying because he's saying it inside me. And you have the mind of Christ. I am speaking of you. I, I am talking to you. This is who you are. And if we just simply believe the gospel, we realize it is so. Um, he is within us and his name is teacher. His name is a guide into all truth. He is the one who re- re- revelator. He opens our eyes to see what we could never see otherwise. The exalted Jesus. Well, out of that comes these expressions of the New Testament. For me to live is Christ. Now, I know you know that, but dare you declare it as simply as they did in the New Testament, almost as off the cuff, that's who I am, that's my identity, for me... For me, you know, where you stand within yourself, where I looks at I and says me, your essential self for me to live, which is what we're all doing right now, is Christ. Do you get that? You know, there's an equation there where it's saying, you know, X equals Y. Me Christ, there's an equal in the middle there. For me to live is Christ. Wow. Or what about this one? Christ, who is our life. Did you know it? doesn't say he gives us life. It says he is our life. No separation, you see. If he gives Well, I could take this New Testament and give it to Jean, but she's there and I'm here. She gets the gift. No, no, it says, Christ who is our life. And again, it's come within us. Feel it, the throbbing reality in this moment, according to the gospel, is that Christ is the very life we live in all its dimensions. Or what about Christ in you, the hope of glory is so. And that's why all through the New Testament it uses this expression, I, I say again to almost the point of too much, in Christ. That is, you don't have any blessing except you're joined to Christ. It isn't that you're there, he's here, he gives you No, no. That, that would be a gift that he gives you. 
But this is not that. This is he inside of you and you inside of him. He is the gift. And everything that you, well, it's peace and joy, strength, wisdom, whatever we say, it's not a thing that he gives you. It's he himself. He is. He is. And so I come to that text I read where Paul says this that we've been talking about. And it's a foundational, it's a final statement. There's no ifs and buts about it. It's not a feeling that I have, which we, we meet sometimes in when persons are trying to share. They say, well, I had this, this great feeling, but, but it went away. Well, I don't care whether you had the feeling or didn't have the feeling. The fact is, fact is that Christ lives in you. Sometimes I do feel that, but many times I don't feel that. But I don't, I don't conspire with my feelings. I'm not interested in my feelings. They yak away. Um, and in Scotland there, they blether, don't they? It, it's, um, you know, the, it, it's just feelings. Who cares? Feelings are based on your hormones, for goodness sake. Feel, feelings are based on, on whether you're feeling good in your, oh, come on. It's got nothing to do with it. I don't care if you saw doves flying through the sky and felt there was a sign from God. Doves always fly through the sky. I am talking about something that is beyond feeling. It's beyond all the signs in the sky. Christ lives in you, and that's a fact, whether you feel it or not. It's the gospel. It is what Jesus accomplished in the exaltation. You have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live. It is Christ who lives in you. It's not an academic idea. This isn't pouring over a book, textbook to study it. You can only study that book when you know what the book's talking about is happening inside of you. Christ is in me. And then when I come to the book, it leaps back in me. Yeah, yeah. Christ Jesus lives in me. He's not an historical person only. He's the cosmic. He fills the whole universe and he fills you and he fills me. This is Christ lives in me. Um, and of course, I have to say this, don't I? It, it speaks of it as a done deal. You, you can't try and get this. It's not something to achieve. Paul didn't say, you know, I fasted and prayed for 40 days and finally I got it. Um, he, he's making a plain statement. And if you read the whole chapter, it's a basic gospel. It's what he shared with those who didn't understand things yet. This is a fact. I, I can't emphasize this enough. This is not for academics, nor is it to be done by religious people who tell you if you do this and if you do that, you'll get there one day. Always delay. Religion is into delay because you're never worthy enough. You'll get there. No, not there, no. I'm looking at you, glorious people, sitting in that screen in the corner, and Christ lives in you now. Christ is our life as we sit in this place. It, it's, it's a fact. Wake up. The Holy Spirit who has been speaking and religion has been saying, no, no, no. Let him, let him be realized. He's saying, this is so.
Christ lives in you. Um, I, I would read to you Young's Literal. Do you, do you ever have Young's Literal translation? Uh, you should really get it. It's a little difficult sometimes because it is literal, which means it just puts the words where they are in the Greek and 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 translates the words as they really are in the Greek. And sometimes it's hard for our English minds to understand it. But Young's Literal of this particular verse is with Christ I have been crucified and live no more do I and Christ doth live in me and that which I now live in the flesh in the faith I live of the Son of God who did love me and did give himself for me. I, I was crucified with Christ and the, the meaning there, it's in the imperfect tense, which means I was crucified with Christ, but it's not over because I still am crucified with Christ. It, it means it wasn't finished and done. And No, I am now. I'm living in the reality that I was crucified and still crucified. It, it's an ongoing reality. I'm a crucified person. And what was crucified? I. Well, he says, I was crucified with Christ. But then he's going to say, yet I live. So <clears throat> who's I? Who's on first here? The What he's saying is, my false self, my false, my false identity that I had in the blind ignorance of the lie, the false identity under the law where I was not seeing myself as I really am, was crucified with Christ. That in this wonder, God took me in my false identity, me in my false understanding of myself, my blind, ignorant me, and united me with Christ. And when he died, I died. I was crucified with Christ. I could do nothing about it. I can't change that by positive thinking it had to be an act of God that he put me into the man who was God who could carry me to death I was crucified with Christ I live he said I live I'm very much alive yet not I he's got to say it again yet not I understand it he said you see me I'm alive but there's an I that was crucified with Christ. And when I say I'm alive now, it's not I, that I. It is Christ who lives in me. Just a minute, just a minute, Paul. You said I live. It's not that old I. I live. It's not I. It's Christ who lives in me. So is is another equation here. I equal Christ. The, that, that. Dare, dare I say that? Am I going to get fired? I mean, I live, but it's not I as you used to understand me. This I that I am is Christ living in me, is Christ. I, the, the very fullness of Christ is living in me. Um, and, and so... How can I put it? Maybe by a series of negatives. 
Um, what he's not saying, which we kind of think he's saying, well, let me blow it. No, he, you're, you're wrong. He's not, let's say what he's saying by saying what he's not saying. He doesn't say, I and Christ live. Did you get that? He's not saying it's me and Jesus. When I was early raised, we had whole evangelical songs all about me and Jesus. Well, tough. That's wrong. Paul didn't say, I and Christ live. He said, for me to live is Christ. Massive difference here. Massive difference. Jesus isn't your roommate. Seriously, people sort of think like that, that. There's two compartments in me, you see, and I've got the right hand, so he's got the left hand. We share the same bathroom, and it it's, gets tough sometimes because, no. Are you getting, even if you're horrified, do you get what I'm saying? It's not me and Jesus. It is for me to live is Christ. He has come seamlessly, simultaneously. He lives in me. It doesn't say that he's available to me because that would mean I'll go through my life saying, oh God, would you bless me today? Would you give me this? Would you give me that? It's available, you see, but there's little old me still here just asking a bit and asking a bit and asking a bit. Give me this, give me Sorry. I, I know. I know it sounds sensible and good, but is not available is and nor does it say Christ is with me Oich, we say that a lot don't we the Lord be with you well we say that because with in that sense is the same with that it says the word of God is with the father and which is a, a, the Greek word is pro which means face to face united simultaneous um, but we tend to use the word today as alongside of me, uh, just he's with me. Much as in the gospel, Jesus was with the disciples. They're there, he's here. No, he's not. He is in me. Or Christ is not the one I'm imitating Understand me, we, we've had entire, almost international movements on this. What would Jesus do? Which means he sure ain't here. He's, he's way back there. And I've got to think, what would he do? That is massive separation. Certainly isn't simultaneous. It's got to be worked out in my adult brain as to what he would do. And I'm saying, I, I'm not just being nasty. It's... No, I, 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 I was raised on it. You've got to imitate Jesus. You've got to try and be like Jesus. No, 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 no. It says Christ is my life. It isn't that he's there as a something to be imitated. In fact, if that's the case, if that is the case, what, what are we saying? We're saying that Jesus left us a corpus of commands. That sounds very much like all the other prophets. They they left something like that. You know, they all left a book, uh, and then they went, and that was it. Now you've got to live by the book, because 
Well, okay. If, if you're going to try and be like Jesus, well, you've got the book, I guess. And he left, of course, but um, he left us the textbook. And, and um, then you've got to try and follow those commands and try and then adjust your life to being like Jesus. Well, just a minute. That sounds like a second Moses. Didn't Moses do that? I... I and then all these commands that we're trying to keep to be like Jesus, is that a second law? Is that is that Christianity? No. As I've said, um, the Bible, I, look, if you don't know, I memorize the New Testament and most of the Old. So I'm into the Bible, okay, as you might have noticed. But you begin with the Holy Spirit, the revelator of Christ in you. That's where you begin. And if you don't begin there, the Bible is the most boring book. It just doesn't make sense many times. No. Do you understand it? Christ who is at the right hand of the Father, who is in the Father, is also in me at this micro moment he is now as i'm speaking he is now as you're listening he is our life even the old testament anticipated it by saying i am the lord i am is my do you remember we talked about that weeks ago i am is my well, he was really saying as much as he understood back there in the Psalms. He's saying that. That I am is not up, is not separated, is not over, he's not one day. I am is my life. That's what it is. You say, well, uh, you hear what I'm saying, but, you know, I, I get off. And, and I, I, do, I do things that are anything but Christ in me. Oh, I know. I know. Um, <laughs> but you see, that's, that's the one because where I was raised, if you did that, of course, you lost everything and you had to get saved again on Wednesday. And so, but no, he is in you. And if you go off like a wandering sheep, guess what he does? He comes in you with you. You don't think you can just tell him to get lost. Do you? I mean, you don't say, well, I'm now going to go off and do my own thing. You wait here for me. No, it's too late. He is entwined with your life. He is one with you, and you cannot shuck him off. And so if you wander, he wanders with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he will forever be guiding you back to reality, back to what you know is the truth. You know, I, I've said this before, but that little gizmo in my car that, that talks to me, bless her heart, um, and she talks to me and she tells me how to get to places. You've got, what are they called, GPS, is it, or something like that. Um, now, I'm amazed at that, especially when I've been around some pastors, because that little gizmo has got more grace in her than I hear on Sunday morning in church. I mean, have you ever done it? I, I, I really, I just for the heck of it, I have done it deliberately. You know, she says, turn right, I turn left. She doesn't get upset. No. She said, oh, okay, we can start from here. And, and, and she gets you back on track. 
And, and then you deliberately go this way and that way. And she keeps on every time. Oh, okay, let's let's go. Father, bless your heart. You've got grace, and, and yet we don't believe that Christ has the same grace as GPS. Oh, give me a break. If you turn left when you should have turned right, you're out of the will of God. Forget it. You're lost. Are you serious? Forget it. No. <laughs> it never leaves us. Never leaves us. Okay, that um, illustration I have given you before, so as an illustration you're well familiar, um, but it comes to us from the very earliest days of the church. This is what they believed. And, and I'll give it again because it, it, it's here. It's what we're talking about now. Um, you remember the illustration that the patient in the bed is dying um, and, and the various doctors come with their potions and, and they give the potion so that the person might recover and of course they don't. And then comes the doctor who in the illustration is the image of Jesus and he has no potions. He doesn't bring any remedies but in the wonder of who this doctor is, he becomes the patient in the bed. And so he doesn't give anything to the patient. He rather becomes the patient. And in becoming the patient, he takes the disease of the patient. It's not a medicine that gets rid of the disease. It is the doctor himself who is the medicine, and the medicine is that he'll come inside, become one with the patient, and will take the disease upon himself. But in the wonder of his own magnificent life, the disease can't exist with him, and it's gone. Okay. But then the doctor will get out of bed, because that's what healthy people do. So guess what? The patient now who is united to the doctor and is now in perfect health because the doctor took his disease and gave his life to the patient. When the doctor gets up, the patient gets up. And now the patient can never live without the doctor because the doctor did not give him something. He became his life. And that is where we're at. I've talked about that in terms of salvation being him giving himself. Now I'm carrying it on that your life, your Christian life is not a series of things from the outside being given to you. It is that the Savior himself is your salvation. Not gives it, he is it. And therefore, right now, you are a person in Christ, Christ in you, because it's all about him. It's an inseparable, let me say it again, simultaneous. He's in you right right now. You don't just say, come, Lord Jesus, come to me, please. No, I invite you in. Did I say that right? Did I say it properly? Let me try again. Did I have enough emotion? Did I cry enough? Can, no, he is in you. 
You, you, there's no faith you'll ever have that can make him come in. He's in because he's in, and he's in with his own faith. And, and our faith is, I trust his faith. I trust him. We're intertwined as one. And, and within me, within me, he speaks. He speaks to the Father, and when he speaks to the Father, I... I because he's in me. He draws me to the Father. He's got my ears, and so I can now hear the Father speaking gently in my heart. Because it's not these ears. It's 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 in in you. You you realize. And you didn't try to get there, you just is it. Because he in you knows the Father. The Father knows him, and now the Father knows you like he knows him because you're in him. And and he speaks sometimes a revelation to your heart right in the middle of breakfast, and uh, and you weren't feeling too holy, were you? Were feeling more like bacon and eggs. But do you realize what I'm saying? There's never a moment when he isn't. He's in you, an absolute union. And I say his voice sounds like my voice, with a difference, because I I know my voice. But his voice is of the same tone. It's That is, I'm not waiting for a, a, an explosion in the room. I'm not waiting for a light to come through the door. I'm not waiting for some explosion in my heart. It's so normal. It's so gentle. It's he, but it's me. And I don't, you see, separation says, well, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. Or you get this urge, this beautiful urge. That, well, is that me or is it the Lord? Look, relax. He's in you. He is you in that sense. He is. But, yeah, let me say it's so strong, you'll get what I mean. That if all these equations we've been looking at, me, I, is Christ. You say that long enough, then you say, I am Christ. Uh, oh, wait, wait a minute. Yes. Yes, you didn't expect me to say that, did you? Yes, but did you notice I live, yet not I, Christ. So there's an I here, and there's a Christ here, and an I that can know Christ and love him and enjoy him and rejoice in him is an I and there's a Christ, and there's a Christ who so loved I that he willed to come and dwell with I forever. There's two here. We are one because we couldn't be closer. But at the same time, I didn't lose myself in him to say I'm not here anymore. Sorry, we used to sing hymns about that. All of him and none of me. Oh, shut up. Of course you're here. Who do you think Jesus died for? He loves you. You're fantastic. You have worth. You have value. You've got a name that shall last for eternity. Stop saying none of me. He redeemed a you. He lives in you. Don't lose yourself in him. That was never the plan. And he hasn't lost himself in you. He is still the exalted son of God who has taken to himself our humanity. 
He is he and I is me, but I is he and he is me. Work that one out this afternoon. It's um, We're not absorbed. Your unique, your beautiful personality, the fantastic you that there's never been one like before or after, and the glorious Jesus the Christ is in that you. You are one, but you're not absorbed. It says, the life I now live in the flesh. Now we're getting down to it, aren't we? The life I now live in the flesh. He couldn't say it more plainly that this is my same old ordinary life that I live every day. The no big deal life. The life with all the pressures, all the problems, the life with all the joys and all the family stuff and all the celebrations and the life with the funerals and the grief. The life I live in the flesh. And he's perfectly at home there. Because he became a human. Do do you get it? That's what I say. God became a human. Therefore, God has an organic relationship to us. When I go to a birthday party and blow out the candles, God's perfectly at home there. He became one of us, you see. He went to birthday parties too. And when your sister gets married and you go to the wedding, you didn't leave Jesus in the church to read the Bible. You know what I'm talking about. He went to weddings. And you couldn't go to a Jewish wedding without dancing in the great circles that they danced in and leaped in the air and laughed. Do you realize that God laughs at things that aren't spiritual? Because he has an organic relationship to us. There's not a minute of my life, not a second of my life that he doesn't totally relate to because he's human. Still, when he rose from the dead, he didn't rose as a ghost. He came with a human body glorified but a human body that could sit at the table and eat and ask for another cup of coffee. When some of us guys go down to San Antonio and we sit in a restaurant, everything that is in a restaurant from the waitress and the menu, God totally relates to that. That's holy. God, I live in the flesh, all my work. You see, people say, well, when Monday comes, it's back to the old secular stuff. No, it isn't. How could it possibly be secular? How could it possibly be secular? Christ in you, everything you touch becomes the beautiful thing of God. And that's not because now you've got a great big Bible on your desk at work to make sure everybody avoids you. No. it's We are saying that just by being who you is, Jesus was so is that they didn't even know he was God. And when he said he was, they were about to stone him. That's, That's magnificent. 
You don't go to work with a big badge, I am a Christian. Lord, if you need a badge, you're not one. <laughs> no. This is who you is, Christ is. And it's just by being there in your work, in your play. Yes. I, women say, you know, my husband, I wish he'd get more spirit. He just sits watching football on Saturday. Well, where do you think Jesus is? <laughs> watching football with him. Yeah. No, he's not. Watching football as him is him. Yeah, okay. I see your face. <laughs> but it's true. He's present inside me in my grief. He's not listening to me grieve. He's inside my grief. He's inside my sorrow. We cry together. When Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, he said he wept. And when you go to the tombs of your life, it's not you weeping and him standing by you. He weeps with you, in you. Your grief is his grief, but then his comfort is your comfort. It's a shared life, you see. And I could keep going on that. The whole thing of this world system. He's not up there to be begged. He's not beside you to say, I'm watching He's in you, feeling it, seeing it, knowing it. He's in you. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to live loved. Just in every second of life. Paul speaks to this throughout. Me, me to live. That's life. Me to live. Me in the flesh is Christ. So it means when we love, he says, love one another as I have loved you. So he's saying, you will love with the divine love as I have loved you. It's not just a sort of religious niceness. You have the same Jesus that wept over Jerusalem is your life. He says, my joy I give to you. Ever thought of that? Something like it. It's my joy. My peace I give to you. That which when the storm you remember and Jesus says, why are you afraid? That's peace. Well, that one is your life. Think about it. That's the truth. It's a complete, final He's not on a temporary visit. This is not an experiment, trial, see if it works. This is so. Jesus doesn't have his bags packed if he has to leave overnight. I'm, I'm very serious. I've lived with this. This is what they call church. Um, no. He is my life. And he lives inside of us and, and we live... Do you remember we, we discussed weeks ago the, the word command, which in the Greek language, entoli, it means an implanted desire. It's not a sergeant major bark in a command. No, it's gently the Holy Spirit puts the desire of God. In fact, it means to see the work done and finished. It places in you the... This is where we're going. This is where we're going. And, and it, he always speaks the end back to the beginning. He said, the hour is coming and now is. It's, that's what he does. And, and 
And it says, I do this by his faith. I know we've talked quite a bit about this, but think about it here. He said, the life I now live, okay, that life in the flesh, this life that is Christ, I mean, how on earth do you do it? It's beyond me. That's why all this struggle, that's why half the library in the religious bookstore is on 10 ways to do it. Or that thing I got on my email, you know, study, 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 try hard, try hard, pray more. Doesn't work, I can tell you that now. I was at a pastor's conference once where the entire convention was about how do we become branches in the vine? (laughs) Boy, you should have heard the... How do we get to be branches? And, And I said, you're too late. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. How'd I get there? Ask him. He did it without your permission. He put you in Christ. You are the branches. That's the meaning of the finished work of Christ. So he knows, follow me very carefully here, he knows and believes his finished work. And he knows it is finished. And he knows he united himself to us. He knows that. And therefore he believes, if I can use that word of him, but he believes that he's one with me. And he transmits that belief to me. As long as I'm not screwing it up by trying and trying and trying and trying. I I realize he believes this. He knows this. He's ising this. So I trust him, and he transmits his faith to me. Um, We're living by his faith, which means I'm not living by my faith. Okay, put it this way. If you are living under religious anxiety, you will approach the day something like this. That is... I have got to have faith today to get through it. Right, does that resonate? I, I've got to have faith. I'm meeting so-and-so, and I don't know how they... I've got to have faith. I've got to have faith to be the person to... Oh, God, give me more love. Give me more strength. I've got to have the faith to do this. Okay. And I know you're very anxious about that. It's a religious anxiety. But supposing you began the day by saying thank you. (sighs) You've got the faith to handle every situation I'll meet today. Thank you. Every Every challenge, every opportunity, every unexpected barrier, whatever it is. Thank you. You have the faith to be you in me through it. I don't know how you're doing it, but it's, it is so. 
you have the faith that you in me and you and I in you, we live in the presence of the Father today. Ah, it's a great day. Do you see the difference that I'm trying to get out here? He initiated this. We didn't. It's his faith, says Paul. The life I now live, I live by his faith. That I, I do, do you get it? I, to, to anticipate the life I'm portraying, I, my first response is, I've got to have faith for that. Paul says, the life that I'm now describing, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He's the one who has the faith. And he's the one that carries me through. You know, we we are aware of this. It's not a closed book to us. Um, e- even some that have, you, you'll be saying, I've never heard this before. Well, you, you really have. Because How many times? We've all heard it. Probably all have experienced it. After going through a crisis, which you approached, you're already in shreds. And you you went through the crisis and afterwards you said, you know, I had a peace. I don't know where it came from. I I just, it was a peace that carried me through. And and your amazement is that you didn't fast and pray for 40 days to get it. Do, do Do you understand what I'm saying? We've all experienced that when the grace of God came, when we were in no shape, religiously speaking, to receive it but the, the grace came. And afterwards it did, Lord, what happened? As if we've got to go back and relive this. I didn't deserve that. I didn't do anything. I No, that's normal, you see. You, you stumbled on normal. <laughs> it's normal. What we do is, is begin to think like that. That's the mind of Christ. Think that he's the one carrying me through. It's not me having enough faith to get his attention is he uh, I learned to anticipate this that becomes my declaration as I said and it may be a, a jolly good idea at the beginning of the day make it your declaration thank you it's your faith that's going to carry me through and um, you know that means it's your words that will, I know they'll be there I know the right thoughts here. they'll be there I, I just know because it's your faith that carries me through which then takes in what we might look at as successful living in terms of the blessing of God. We approach a situation and say, well, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I want you to bless it. It's okay. I mean, he does. He does. But the burden of the Scripture is... Would you allow me to be involved with you today in what you are blessing? It's just a little twist, but it's the same thing. Who initiates all of this? Is it my faith? No, it's his faith. Is it me putting together what I think God would just love? And then say, oh, by the way, would you bless this? Why not begin the day by simply saying, allow me to participate with you in what you are blessing. Ah, now that sounds like fun. 
We're not trying to get, see religion always trying to get something. No. Grace says you already have everything in Christ. And so, it's always that beautiful sigh of relief, you see, that he will give me a part, he will lead me. And then Paul sums it up. And his summation is, he loved me and gave himself for me, which I'm glad he put that in there because you can always drift toward a formula here, even though you're speaking of person. And when he says he loved me, see, he's my life, he's my faith, he, he's everything, but, well, that's God. See, God does that. And if you get this right, then he'll be that formula and impersonal. And, and he comes in with this, he loved me. Meaning, as surely as it's his faith, what was before his faith? Before his faith was he loved you. That is, this is not some burden God has assumed. He passionately, and I use that word very advisedly, he passionately willed that he would not live without you. That's the original intention that's before creation. God reveals himself as the God who refuses to be God without you. He loved you and loves you and delights in you. That's why I said, you know, a little while ago, it's none of me and all of him as if we're so worthless, don't even bring my name up. But it was you, when he created you, he said, I knew your name before I created you. He said, I was there at your birth. I've been with you and in you and working in your life. I love you. I delight in you. I can't keep my eyes off you. When the shepherd found the sheep, he rejoiced. And then when he took the sheep home, he rejoiced and said to his neighbors, come, let's do it. You are a component of the joy of God. God's joy is all about you. Loves you. Joys in you. Loves you. And so he loves it to walk through with you. And I'm going to include what religion calls backsliding. When you screw it up, do you think God says, oh, no, not again? No, that's religion. What do I find in the scripture? The shepherd went after the sheep without a club, without complaint, and as soon as he found the wretched little creature that had caused all the trouble, he rejoiced. We're the ones that are condemning ourselves. We're accusing We say we're no good. He can't help laughing, not at you, but laughing for joy that you and he are living this united life. He loves you. But then he says, he gave himself for me. Now that's a clumsy Sorry, but it's a clumsy translation. What it is better, because when he says gave himself for me, it, that tends to go back to the cross and say, well, he was giving himself on the cross, which is true. But here he's speaking about our living today. 
So in this moment, this, this day in which we speak, he loves me. And he is in the process of giving himself to me. That's what it is. Do, do you follow me? It's not that some point in the past he gave himself for me. But right now, for you to be alive in the fullest sense of the word, for you to be alive now, he is giving himself to you. Uh, one of the translations says he transmits himself over my situation. That's a neat thought. As I'm in a situation, I am there with the consciousness of all that we've been saying, but it's not that he's just there in me. He's transmitting himself over my situation. And that includes the IRS. He's, I mean, let, let's get real. This is not talking about missionary endeavors only. This is talking about all of life. He transmits himself over my situation. Another translation is, he dispenses his life into mine. I like that. He dispenses it. He put, he does, you know, it's not a pharmacy where they dispense remedies. He dispenses himself. He's the doctor who gives himself. One translation says, he passes himself off as me. I like that one, but I'm not so sure it's really right on. But I, yes, when I said it out loud, I think it is. You, you thought it was me, but it was he. But yes, it was he, but it was me. Yeah, we's he. <laughs> okay, I'm really done. Because um, there's still a lot more. We might do a third week on this, but. I'll say this, this is actually how we understand the Eucharist in a few moments when we take of the bread and the wine. What do we say? This is my body. Well, God doesn't have a body. God is spirit. So when Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood, God doesn't have blood. What's he saying? He is not saying that this is God. He's saying this is God who became a human. God now, God can say this is my body. God joined the human race to the point where he has a body. But it's a body that we would say is divine human. Do, do you follow me? Because he never ceased to be God. He took human but never ceased to be God. So this is my body. This is my blood. He is saying, I am offering to you to eat the divine humanity of God. Please get this. This is so important. Many have, have reported that since they've joined us on a Sunday morning and have participated in the Eucharist every Sunday, their life has quietly been changed. Well, this is what we're talking about. He said, I am giving to you my divine humanity. And we do it 
He said, as often as you do, which can be every day, but, but he says, just recognize it, recognize it. Let the thrill go through your spirit that I am a participant in the divine humanity. He lives in me, so I declare that by chewing a piece of bread and drinking wine and, and saying, as this bread and wine become literally part of my being, so Christ is my life. I have eaten and I am nourished by the divine humanity of Christ. But then, when you walk out these doors or walk out your doors, you are the Eucharist to the world. Because you are, you are divine humanity. For Christ is your life. And if the divine human is your life, then you are participating and one with the divine humanity of Jesus. Which means that you are going out of those doors to say, I am giving myself to the world. I'm giving myself to my neighbor, my family. I'm giving. You've become the Eucharist. That they will eat of your life and discover the Christ who is your life. Now, I've said more in that sentence. That was another half an hour to follow. But I thought I'd throw that in and might perhaps get you back next week to um, hear the rest. But it's so true. The fullness of God, and, and Colossians 2 speaks about this, that in Jesus the fullness of God dwelt bodily. It's made point of bodily, not a vague spirit idea. He says, in the body of Jesus dwelt the Holy Trinity. And it goes on, and you are complete in him. And the Amplified Version, which I always thrill when it happens like this, because every evangelical accepts the Amplified Version. And, and it says in the Amplified, where it says, you know, Amplified pulls it out to say this is what the Greek means. It says, the fullness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwelt bodily in Jesus, and you are now complete. You are filled with the fullness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in him. Yes. See, I'm not such a widow. It's, it's there. It's, this is what this Christianity is. It's this incredible union with God. And until we find that as multiplied persons are these days there's a growing every day it's more people waking up to this and realizing the absolute dead emptiness of religion we are you're part of a great move of the spirit of god and i thank god we're part of it but i'm going to stop there land my plane because um, if i start up we'll be here for another 45 minutes at least so now the blessing of God, who is almighty love.
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May he bless you with the realization that he dwells in you in Christ in the Spirit, that you are united to him, one with him, the apple of his eye, the delight of the very being of God. May that be your portion this week. That is the way it is, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.